Travel providers are the backbone of the travel experience. In this brand new season of Powering Travel, we'll dive into industry trends, hot topics, and actionable advice to help business leaders continue evolving and enhancing the travel experience one trip at a time. You've landed with the Powering Travel Podcast, brought to you by Expedia Group. I'm your host, Brandon Earhart. And in today's episode, we've had an interesting conversation, aren't they all? We're going to get a unique perspective on the future of tech and travel by looking at the past from a global lens. Before we get into that, though, now it's the time for the big reveal of our guest hosts. If you're an avid listener, and if you're not, you're missing out. You've heard his voice two other times. This time, he's back at it again. Another stellar job on the mic by my dear friend, Richard Kosher. Richard, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Thanks, Brandon. I love being able to step in and do the, the host chair. Really great opportunity to meet some you know, industry experts. And uh, today's guest in particular is fascinating. Absolutely. And if you're a new listener to the show, do two things for me. First, click subscribe. Second, get acquainted with Richard. He's our Senior Director of Media Insights and Planning. He spends the majority of his time looking at data and distilling insights Richard, you're going to do a much better job describing your job than I will. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so it's twofold, really. We, we work across global regions with partners to provide data and insights on what we're seeing in, in, in the market. So providing trends on, on how the world is traveling. Then we do the campaign strategy and planning for a lot of the advertising partners that work with Expedia. So those two the key key areas. And then lots of reporting on the performance of uh, those marketing campaigns with our, with our partners. Richard, in your role looking at data and distilling insights, you've obviously found your way onto another episode because you got something really interesting to share. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so similar to the episode that we did with Cheryl about the path to purchase, this interview was really thought-provoking and another cool way to think about travel trends that have changed over time. It's always fun as well, I think, you know, looking at the future and seeing how what's ahead of us. And I think, you know, with, with, with our guest today, we, we, we had a real good perspective from a veteran in the industry and really good insights into what we've seen in the past and what might be ahead of us. Great insights and a great perspective. So interesting to get the point of view of such a seasoned vet in the world of tech and travel. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a bit more about Sihoon? Yeah, sure. So Yao Sihoon has been covering the travel industry beat in Asia Pacific for decades, starting off as a rookie reporter and going on to lead and launch the region's key industry media titles. In 2005, she founded Web in Travel, also known as WIT, to tackle how technology was changing travel in Asia Pacific. We get to dive into the early days of, of her time with WIT. Over the years, she took WIT to new places, launching editions in Tokyo, Seoul, Middle East, and Europe to keep the world's attention focused on the three pillars of travel, technology, and Asia. Following the acquisition by Northstar Travel Group in 2014, she led the launch of Travel Weekly Asia and MNC Asia and formed the editorial team to execute the entry of Northstar to Asia. Her work has been recognized by numerous institutions, including the Singapore Tourist Board, which recognized her as Tourism Entrepreneur of the Year in 2014. The WIT Singapore Conference, which remains its tentpole event, has won several awards, including Most Innovative Marketing Initiative and Trade Conference of the Year. Other than writing about travel, Sihoon is also a published author of several books and hosts two podcasts, including the WIT podcast and a Life in Travel podcast. Wow, Richard, super envious of the opportunity you had to speak directly with her. I'm sure our audience is eager to hear the conversation. Here's Richard and Yao Sihoon. So, Suhun, we're going to talk a bit about the early days of, of travel tech. You started Web and Travel in the early 2000s 
And Webin Travel continues to publish news, host events, and create content focused on travel tech, distribution, and marketing. What inspired you to start Webin Travel? Well, actually, Webin Travel started in 2005, to be, to be exact. And I guess I started it because I was curious about how technology was going to change customer behavior and therefore how travel suppliers had to keep up and adapt to capture the, the new traveler, right? You know, with, with the new customer behavior. So I think I started out of curiosity, really, to really learn how technology was going to change the traveler behavior, particularly in Asia Pacific. I had seen, you know, there was research done in the US and Europe, but there was very little done in Asia. So I was curious about that. And I guess that's why I started it. Yeah. Um- Back then into 2005, what would you say were the sort of headlines uh, around how technology had changed consumer behavior in travel? Things that really stood out to you at that point? Well, I mean, those were the dating myself. Those were the early days of the internet. And I was trying to figure out how I could, how that would apply to, you know, travel journalism. And, and Bowie had called out the, the internet as this thing that would completely, you know, change everything and change media. And how, you know, the the media had to get closer to the audience and how there was this gray space that would, that would come along. So those were very, very early days. And uh, at that time, I think, I mean, I don't th- think there was any research, but I remember, you know, the online travel penetration was probably like below 10%. You know, there were some uh, beginnings of the early startups. I mean, Booking Expedia, you know, had been started like 19, in the late 1990s, right? And we were beginning to see early movers in Asia, like Make My Trip, uh, China, which started in 2005, WeGo started 2005. So you could see these early uh, movers coming in. So definitely it was really, really early stage if you talk about the trends then. And so... It was the beginning of everything. It was the beginning of everything. So there weren't really any big trends, but there was definitely a shift towards online. And I wanted to be part of that shift. Yeah, and I suppose online made travel more accessible to to audiences uh, around the world. Well, more than the distribution. I mean, online travel is only the distribution, but the whole infrastructure too, right? Had, had to bring travel online. And low-cost airlines, you know, were, were starting, beginning to start and really bringing travel to masses. And so you were seeing this mass movement of travel already, right? Low-cost airlines, uh, a, a much more fragmented hotel industry landscape, uh, more entrepreneurs beginning, you know, tours and activities. So yeah, very nascent, the beginning of everything. Yeah. And um, I like the way you've connected sort of travel technology with sort of evolution there and human behavior. And I think we can come back to that. I just wanted to, you know, going back to those early days and, and thinking about uh, how, how things are done today, what has changed in the way that you cover travel? And what is the same when, when compared back to 2005? It's nearly, you know, nearly 20 years, right, since we started uh, with, and so much has happened in two decades, let alone one decade. But yeah, I mean, the biggest change is this acceleration uh, onto online, right? And now you're probably seeing across APAC, maybe, you know, 50%. I remember when when we started, it was really, really hard, really hard to convince people that uh, 
you know, that there wasn't going to do be this movement online and they had to be part of web and travel. And now we don't have to do that much convincing. So that's the biggest change, right? But it, it was a long, hard slog in the beginning. I remember my friend saying, Siwon, are you sure you want to do this? Because I had given up like a, a full-time, stable job in a publishing company where I was the editorial director of like, you know, five publications and had given all that to do this. And, uh, and they said, are you crazy? But you do, do you know that if you ever run out of food, you'll, you can always have dinner in my place, you know? So I had, <laughs> so the good, the good comfort I had was that I knew I had friends if I actually went broke, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank goodness that didn't happen. But I think in the, in the, in the beginning, yeah, it was hard to convince, you know, there were very uh, traditional travel agents. And remember that Asia is very varying degrees, right? Singapore is ahead, but Indonesia is way behind, and then we have Vietnam, and so very, very fragmented in different levels. So it was challenging, but it was absolutely fun. It was absolutely fun. And so what's changed is, well, the pace of news now is much bigger, and I've, I, you know, I get a lot more. I have to cover a lot. The team's grown. Yeah, so the pace of news has changed, and then you've got startups entering the game. So definitely just the sheer volume of news has changed. And, you know, the topics have changed clearly too. Yeah. And the players and the players. It used to be in the early days, the only people who were willing to talk were the big brands. So the Expedia's, you know, and the hotel chains like Intercontinental, Hilton and all that. And now we've got a lot more people in the ecosystem that you can cover. So it makes it much richer and way more interesting. Right now at this stage, really does capture the diversity and the dynamism of Asia Pacific right now. And you, you talked a bit about moving out of uh, publishing into, into, into your role at uh, Webin Travel or founding Webin Travel. Was that more traditional print publishing that you were, you were part of? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, we were publishing travel trade magazines and the audience were, you know, travel agents and suppliers and all that. And I mean, I had started dabbling in the online space while I was the editor there and you know, I think we were the first to have a travel technology beat and we were the first to have a website, but it was really slow, too slow for my impatience. And so I, I thought it would be better if I actually did it on my own to so that I could set my own pace and, and, and really keep up with the changes in the market. Yeah. I thought you could, you could see the the newspaper industry as a kind of a, a mirror image of that in some respects. I, you know, looking back to to that sort of point of the sort of early and mid 2000s, that's when a lot of the big newspaper publishers started to migrate more online and get global audiences yeah. and really become effective in, in that space. Was there, a, was there a tipping point for you that you noticed? And you know, we talked about how the coverage may have, may have changed for you. Uh, was there a tipping point where you really started to see an acceleration in um, consumption of your online content? I think when social came in, you know, I think in, in pre-social and then we had mobile, it was always Asia looking to the West on how to mirror the customer trends, right? You know, and yeah, so this happened in the US, you know, five years ago, eight years ago, and this might likely happen here. And that was probably true in the early days. But I think the tipping point uh, came with, with social and then with mobile, because basically Asia just kind of leapt ahead in, in those two. Yeah. And I remember in the early days bringing, you know, like speakers who were just 
talking about social and I was comparing the content that we were having versus content with travel conferences in the West. And, you know, Asia was way uh, more on social, a lot of social. Mm-hmm. And I remember one, one speaker who was the co-founder of Tuchia, Melissa, who's you know, a super smart woman, and she's now basically in the field of AI, you know, so, so she's re- always yep. ahead of the, of, of the game. And she said that, you know, all social is not travel, but all travel is social. And that kind of woke me up to, you know, that really, you know, the, the really importance of social and how it would change travel in Asia, because Asia was such a social and such a young market as well. So this was going to be a big, big game changer for Asia. And then mobile came along, right? Which when you think about it, we, you know, with all the different degrees of development of markets, you have countries like Indonesia and Philippines and all that, and Cambodia and Laos, you know, and they really didn't have very good telco infrastructure. But if you went there in the, you know, when mobile first started, if you went into the remote villages, they were all having phones and iPads. So they they skipped one wow. generation, right? So you could see, therefore, the convergence of mobile, social, demographics, you know, young people and access just you know, changing everything at that, at that point, you know. And another comment made by Ram of Focus, right, at that time, and he said that video would be the new text. And he said this in, you know, when we, when we started uh, in the early days, you know, maybe three years after web from travel has started, and he said video is going to be the new text in, in Asia because of the different languages that we have. Right, right. And therefore, video would be able to, you know, overcome all the language differences, right? And so the combination of the social mobile video, to me, was the beginning of this big transformation in Asia. And that's how I feel like we started deferring, you know, from trends in the West. Yeah. And it's the, it's the network effect as well, I think, of social and mobile, where, you know, mobile goes with the traveler. The traveler is then able to communicate with their network about where they are, what they're seeing. They can use video, they can use images, and then that then gradually builds and you create, as as I said, sort of a network effect around what it's like to travel to different parts of the world and raise awareness of those those places. Well, Richard, I mean, it creates a huge web in travel. Yes, it does. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely does. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about some of the breakthroughs or milestones that you think have really redefine the way that people travel. And I think what we can, you know, we've touched on social there, but what I'd like to maybe look at now is, is, is AI. I suppose from your perspectives, how do you see that being this sort of breakthrough or milestone, if we can call it that? Yeah, I don't, I don't see it as a milestone yet. I think it is the same. For me, it's like um, the, the same point as when social came in and mobile came in. So we are just at the beginning of the beginning, right? you know, and the Difference, I think, is that suppliers now are faster, right? With it, it almost in tandem with the consumers, right? In in the in maybe in Asia, using Asia as an example, I mean, the consumers drove the change, right? The consumers came social, used mobile, you know, love videos, and then the travel industry kind of adapted, right? Scrambled to adapt. But I think with this one it seems to me covering the industry is like almost the industry is in tandem with the consumers with this technology because it's 
it's really it's a consumer attack. It's a mass consumer attack. Way way more than you know that that mobile was right. So I think we're just at the beginning of it. And you know, I mean, no, I, I mean, I certainly cannot predict how it will turn out. But it's definitely as a journalist, like I'm just so fascinated by, you know, the implications of of this technology and. And as with everything, just as when I started web and travel, you know, I'm curious about it and therefore I start learning myself about it. And so I'm using it a lot in my work, right, as a, as a journalist. And then that relates to then how I can see other people using it. So I begin to understand, you know, the, the consumer behavior as well. And so I think it's, we're just at the beginning of beginning of everything. So I'm sorry, Richard, I don't have any answers as to how this will impact travel, but I can tell you it's going to change even faster uh, than social and mobile. And I think you're going to see a lot more people. I mean, like it's going to be a bigger web than, than before. Yeah, no, I think you've, I think you've answered there. I think the, qu- the question that surfaced in the great debate was around whether or not AI makes travel less human. And I don't know what you, you would think there in response to that question. Actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, preparing a, a talk actually on, on the human revolution. And it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I thought of that theme because I, I felt that, you know, this new technology, like we should question really what are the qualities that make us human? Because this new technology is challenging certain notions, right? You know, there were certain presumptions made by humans that, you know, there are certain things that machines can never be better at. For example, originality of thinking, creativity, right? But there have been surveys done that says that ChatGPT, for example, scored in the 1% and that they were better, if not as good as, as humans in originality and creativity. So that's one sort of sacred crowd cow gone, right? And then the other human quality that we pride ourselves in is that we are social animals. And that's why after the pandemic, we all wanted to get together and hug and, and bond with each other. And that we had this sort of social engagement skills that were superior. They are now, they have been working on social robots for the last two decades, you know, and social robots are the ones now with AI could become could learn to be more emotional, have emotional intelligence and all that. At the same time, the human race has become less social, right? Because we're spending our lives, you know, and and perhaps maybe even with the new generation, you know, like not the new generation, but millennials and all that who who grew up as digital natives, we spend a lot of our lives virtually, like we are doing now, right? And, And so, you know, we've lost a lot of social skills, so, so I started thinking about, you know, really, what are the qualities that make us human? And what are the qualities that we really, really need to dial up if we really want to take advantage of this new technology that could sort of um, really change travel? And travel fundamentally is still a very human industry because, right. you know, we're still at a stage where it's only humans who can travel, right? We, we, we don't have robots traveling yet. We can't have avatars traveling. So humans are still traveling. <laughs> so, so, so I started thinking about this, this thesis, you know, and said, so what are the qualities that really, really make us human? But I quite like the idea of, you know, AI will, you know, in the, in, I suppose on, there's two sides. There's kind of the industry side. I think AI will help 
make businesses more efficient and they will enable us to enable businesses to offer uh, more relevant experiences to customers. But then I also like this idea that on the consumer side, it's you know this idea of, of, of AI being a consumer or a traveler's co-pilot. Yeah, I think the transition is from assistant to companion, right? You know, so it's it's about intimacy, actually. It's about building intimacy with, it's the ability to build intimacy if you know how to do it in, in not a creepy way, but in a very empathetic and intuitive way, you know. So that that is the shift I think that we will see. And... But it is important that when the, tra- I mean, the, as you say, you know, we travel because we want to meet other humans, right? And we want to, we want to understand different cultures and all that. And it is important that that is absolutely kept and that it shouldn't be commoditized, right? Yeah. It shouldn't become robotic. And that's why it is important for people working in travel to really think about what makes us human, Right. Our, our smiles, our hugs, and those things are really important. So sincerity, um, hospitality becomes even more, you know, n- even more critical, right? And yep. you know that co- consumer expectations have become super high because people are paying a lot more. So you see a lot more demanding, you know. And so are we ready? Are we ready to rise to the challenge? Because we have a lot of problems that we have to solve in, in travel, right? Uh, yeah. So are we ready? Can we use tech to solve those things that, you know, that may make the human travel experience not as pleasant? So what parts of travel and hospitality will remain untouched by tech and AI? What are the things only humans can do in travel? I mean, I, I, I always talk to my tech friends and my tech friends always say, um, humans should not do the 3Ds, right? Dull, dirty and dangerous work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if I if we use that, then let's all think about the elements of hospitality or travel that's dull, dirty, and dangerous, and we should let machines do that, and let's do the fun bits. But you know, you you think about, and then I I start to think, okay, you know, maybe it's the reception, you know, the the warm smile, the 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 you know the hospital the hospitable greeting, but then you have robots doing that now and. And robots with huge eyelashes, you know, that look humans. I had a friend from uh, Dublin who came to to Singapore for Christmas. And, you know, she was eating in restaurants at airports. And then she said, you know, it feels like science fiction because she's sitting next to like a machine that is basically cleaning up the plates. And then at the airport, there's a machine like who walks next to you. And so it's like we are living in sci-fi land already. So, uh, (laughs) so, Yeah. yeah. And actually, maybe it's just it's just the very act of traveling is the thing that will remain human because that that anticipation of a, of a trip, that experience when you've when when you're leaving the airport, when you're in the destination, and you're able to to finally switch off, they're all very unique human experiences. I think which may, will make travel. I think you know <laughs> always always such a uh, always such a overtly human thing. Yeah, I think human emotion cannot be replaced. Right? You know, like. You know, human emotion, anticipation, yeah. uh, you know, uh, dreaming, and, you know, frustration, anger, <laughs> those, <laughs> you know, and then, and then the thrill and the sensation of, of different foods on your, on your palate. And yeah, I think those cannot be replaced for sure. And that's why we have to make sure that those things are amplified yep. and, Absolutely. and, and, yeah. and actually brought to people. So, you know, 
hyper curation, for example, right, or, or hyper recommendation, you know, those are even more important. And and especially, I was I was speaking to a, a, a tour company in Singapore yesterday, and he was talking about how you know everything has become a lot more local, right? You know, so. So you you now have the ability to maybe even do less planning and but when you're sitting in say you know Kampung Glam in Singapore you happen to be visiting the mosque and then you say oh I feel like some lunch and then you can actually go okay places near me mm-hmm. you know to to actually eat so everything has become a lot more local and that gives travelers confidence I think to actually you know get more local and and deeper into the destination yep. without without going through the you know the list of top ten yep. places that I must eat at you know <laughs> yeah and, and actually arguably the web enabled that that's a precursor to what then AI is hopefully going to make even more tailored and streamlined for um, yeah yeah uh, more travels. more intense right more intense and more intimate I think yeah so you cover a lot of a lot of travel companies who in your opinion is poised to be the next powerhouse of travel tech and who are the startups or small and medium businesses that have really caught your eye? I think uh, every, I actually wrote, wrote an article about this, you know, but I think that every one of the giants, you know, from Expedia to Booking to Trip to Airbnb, the big ones are already executing relentlessly on this, you know. So I, for me, I think the next couple of years is going to be just fascinating to watch that race because the giants are already on it. So yeah. I think everybody's doing doing things that, you know, like most people spend the last three years just kind of preparing. I mean, like really working behind the scenes, you know, because there wasn't a lot of travel around, you right? So, so there was a lot of work behind the scenes. And I feel like this year is this sort of come out moment for everyone. And we're going to see some really, uh, you know, super duper features that will be introduced by all the big, big players. So the big, the big guys are already on it. So therefore the fear is then, you know, does this game favor the giants? So what about, you know, the, the long tail of travel and the reasons why people travel? Yeah, it's not for the big guys, you know. It's not for the big chains, but for all the little, little wonderful businesses that make travel so interesting. And so, how do they, how do they, you know, survive in the in this world, uh, which is going to be a lot more con- consolidated, a lot more commoditized, you know, and a lot more tech heavy. And so, you know, I think we're going to see, you know extreme specialization mm-hmm. you know and you you've got to make sure that you you actually do one thing and do it really really well you know and that's something that web and travel has to think about as well right i've got i've got yep. to think about one thing that i do that i do really really well above anybody else and then just uh you know witnessing a ton of change in the, in the industry well you you certainly have over over the last 20 years outside of ai what's predictions of new tech innovation would you have for travel providers in the near and long term? Is there anything else other than AI? <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, as a traveler myself, I have been quite curious about augmented reality, right? I mean, not so much virtual reality, but augmented reality in terms yeah. of how it is blended with the physical experience. 
So how technology and how it can transform art and augment that experience and technology in how it can make us rethink spaces, the use mm-hmm. of spaces. Yeah. And do you yeah. mean uh, augment- augmentation of experience as a sort of a, a guidebook as well? So being able to point your phone, for example, at an area within a destination and then information about what you're pointing your phone at appear on the, on, on the screen and, and give you, you know, a sense of what it is you're seeing and some history and, and facts. Yeah. I mean, that's almost too basic, right? You know, yeah. um, you know, I don't want to look at a building and know when it was built. I would love stories, yep. you know, and I, I'm beginning to see some application of that, you know, using audio, you know, I don't know, who knows, maybe audio tours is going to make, everybody's been saying that for years, but maybe audio, you know, everybody's got their own headphones now. But I think the storytelling is interesting, right? In Singapore, there is a, there is a tour called the New World Tour. And basically it's a walking tour where it's a love story. It's a love story set in that area. It's about loss. It's about grief, you know, and, and you feel the story as you're walking through the streets and, and you feel like you're walking through a movie set. And it's very intimate. It's very immersive. Yeah, and it's very personal. So I feel storytelling. I think we need to, yeah, have voices come to us from the past or, or, you know, and telling us stories about the places rather than, oh, this building was built in 1880. Yeah. And that comes back, I think, a little bit to the human centricity of travel that we touched on earlier. You know, if you're going somewhere, yes, of course, you want to understand the history and the facts and, and, and figures around, around that place, but actually, you know, hearing human voices and, 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 and understanding human experiences and how those experiences shaped the history of the place or the current environment, I think, yeah, would really, really has an impact on the, traveler so yeah i love i love that um other idea and just final question to sort of wrap things up what are your few tips to our listeners on how they can keep up with trends in the travel tech space yeah not just read about it but to actually play with it and have fun with it you know this is probably the funnest time to be you know to be to be trying new technology and so just just have fun with it you know and do it yourself and then when you're traveling look out for people or places that are doing those fun things, right? You know, because that kind of spins off new ideas. And then obviously read uh, Web and Travel as well and keep up to date with that. But of course, Richard. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and the 10-hour conferences. We're, we're going to new places this year. We're going to Africa. We're going to Cape Town in March. Great. You know, uh, so that's a new frontier. I love emerging markets. I love markets with bad traffic and chaos. <laughs> so I love those. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. Thanks so much. And of course, uh, listeners can also continue listening to uh, Powering Travel by Expedia Group for, for the latest trends. So yeah, thanks so much, Suhan, and speak to you again soon. Thanks, Richard. It's been a pleasure. What a visionary. Imagine having this kind of foresight to start something like Web and Travel from nothing and now hosting one of the largest travel conferences in Asia and a value resource for all things travel tech. And to be able to be in the front seat of all of this change, so glad that you got to bring her onto the show and conduct such a thoughtful interview with great insights. Yeah, absolutely. There was something really refreshing about the conversation, uh, especially when we started talking about AI 
when she brought up her thoughts on the human elements that AI just can't replace in, in travel. I think we have been talking about generative AI in the tech world for years now, and it has recently hit the pop culture zeitgeist, if you will. So I'm sure there is fatigue there. But her perspective really injected some new optimistic energy into the topic for me. I hope that came across to you too. Uh, absolutely. I mean, to be able to hear you two think about the future in real time was like such a fun thought experiment and pushed me to think a little bit harder about what's coming down the line, not just the immediate future. You know how it can be in the day to day. You just you're so wrapped up in the inertia of what I need to deliver in the next minute, the next hour or the next day. So easy to lose sight of that horizon. And I think the lessons learned here were many. And as we you know, look to our future, it's great to just zoom out and reorient ourselves with where we want to go. And Richard, I want to take this chance to make a quick plug. In the later part of last year, the Powering Travel podcast and Seahoon's Wit podcast collaborated on a series of episodes. These featured Expedia Group leaders like Greg Schultz and Hari Nair. If you're interested in listening to those, they are in our Powering Travel feed for you to enjoy at your leisure. Nice, snackable, digestible insights and episodes and a great partnership. Yep. Love the continued string of podcasts this year, Brandon. It's great. Like you literally can log on to our feed and find a topic that's relevant to you. We've covered so many. And I want to thank you, Richard, for stepping into the big chair and hosting three of them. Yeah, thanks. Anytime, Brandon. Really enjoying this and I look forward to hopefully joining again in the future. You're an absolute pro, my friend. You're always welcome. As always, let us know what you think of the podcast by emailing us at poweringtravel at expediagroup.com. That's poweringtravel, all one word, at expediagroup.com. We also have a new form on the website that you can fill out easily. You can find that at partner.expediagroup.com. If you have a few seconds, be sure to rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. Helps people like you find our show. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time on the Powering Travel Podcast brought to you by Expedia Group.